we are so grateful that you are our God, that you are our Father, you are Papa, you're our Daddy. Thank you for that, that you love us so intimately, that you call us as your children. And so we're so grateful for that, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We return that love as best we can this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And you can be seated. Well, we are into September, and we are finishing up our summer series on the Creed, and we're focusing on the very last couple of lines, couple of phrases from the Apostles' Creed this morning, the part that simply says, not simply, but it's there, it is briefly says, we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, and amen at the end of it. So I want to ask you today as we get started, what is it that keeps you going through life when things start getting kind of rough, you know, through the ups and downs of life? Now, you may have some good things going on in your life right now in and around your life, but, but I think most of us, we keep plugging away in the small moments, uh, maybe some of the small moments of life, persevering through some of the difficulties. We do that by looking ahead uh, with hope to something that comes up. You know, something, something in the future. Now that something coming up may be a celebration. It might be a get-together with some special people in your life. It could be a vacation or a special trip. It could be some cool event, but something like, oh, man, this is tough, but, but look right there. Ah, oh, that's going to be wonderful. It's that looking ahead to something we anticipate that is wonderful that gets us through some of the more drab times, even the difficult times of our day-to-day life. And that's the power of the simple concept of, of hope. The simple concept of hope. And now, for example, the small, ex- the, the, the small hope of a day off tomorrow may have put a little extra bounce in some of your steps this last week. You know, as you look forward to maybe some extra rest, uh, and, and maybe some extra family time, maybe a nice barbecue in the cool weather. Okay, maybe a nice hot barbecue, but a barbecue still the same, right? <laughs> There's always the lakes and rivers to hopefully cool us off out there in the process. So the power of small hope, just of something of like oh, a day off, can, can get us through some of the troubled times, can get us through some of the difficulties. Uh, but big hope is needed when we encounter the, the major difficulties of life, and, 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 and that's what life often brings. And that's really where we're going to go today and, and where we're going to begin in our outline as well. In your program, you have an outline if you want to follow along. We have a, a lots of big chunk chunks of the Bible today we'll follow along with, as well as if you want to fill in some blanks. And we're going to start with this concept. We believe and we have this hope. We have this hope. And that's your first fill in the blank if you want to take any notes this morning. We believe in all the things that we've been studying in the Apostles' Creed. And I need to say at least you have the option of believing because we aren't going to force that on you. And neither is God. You have to believe these things. I believe they're compelling. I believe they're absolutely true. It's a choice I make to believe them. And you have that option uh, that's in front of you. We won't force that. But as we believe in these amazing truths of God that are in front of us, they're able to give us hope. And not just small hope of a day off on Labor Day, if, if you do get that off. But a big, much bigger hope. A hope not just for a better today and a better tomorrow, but a better next year. And more importantly, a better eternity. And that's a big hope to hold on to. Hope is what keeps us going, right? And, and the bigger and better the hope, the more strength it gives us. That hope is certainty. It's motivation. It's, it's what we can hold on to. We can live with endurance, and, and not just endurance and, oh, I just made it through, but with joy, even joy through the difficult times of today. 
because of the solid hope that we have for a better future. Now, this hope that the Bible talks about, I want to clarify, it's not just wishful thinking hope. You know, oh, I hope, you know, it's like, oh, I hope the 49ers make the playoffs this year, right? Wishful thinking. Or next year, you know, or, I, you know, I hope it cools off this week. You know, I just, I want to hold on to something here. That, that's how sometimes we use the word hope today. It's just like, oh, I just, wouldn't that be nice? But the hope in the Bible is, is a bigger word. It, it's, it's not uncertain wishing or uncertain wishful thinking. It's faith based on certainty. It's, it's these things are true. They are going to happen. And I put my trust, my faith, and my hope in them as a foundation of my living a victorious life. It's not an uncertainty. It's certainty. It's called hope instead of reality today because it's in the future still. It, here's what the Bible says about hope overpowering our suffering. And really, that's what can happen. Now, I want to read through this. It gets a little bit wordy and stuff, but it's so, so rich. But excuse me, out of Romans 8. Here we go. It says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me just stop right there. Did you get that? That's hope. Our present sufferings, they're not even worth comparing with the glory that will be, not maybe, will be revealed in us. It doesn't even compare. For creation, the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation even does that. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope, there it is, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and hurricanes, right? The the, the stuff of life, bondage to decay and, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Now, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this, there it is, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? You already have it, but, but if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. And that's where we find ourselves in the midst of the, uh, the groaning. Not that all of life is groaning. Maybe it feels that way. But there's groaning, sometimes less, sometimes more. But there is a hope and a waiting for, ah, uh, yes. Well, what is this hope we have as followers of Jesus? Because the ending of the Apostles' Creed actually lays throughout there is hope, but it really ends with this huge hope. It's full of hope. It's big, certain hope that can get us through anything in life. And so I want to jump into that now. The hope we have as followers of Jesus, first of all, this piece of hope that the Bible talks about that the creed just nails is we get a new body. We get a new body. That's a great hope. Uh, that whole concept this week, I kind of had a chance to laugh out a little bit. I, I, I looked through, and I, I wanted to put up a couple of pictures to get you revved up for this. We get a new bite. Let's take a look at the... Okay. Can you say Photoshop? And wow, that's scary. Um, guys, I had... Now, that one obviously is Photoshopped, although there's some dudes that are approaching that. And with the, but uh, let's take a look at the next one here. So for you gals... That was, ooh, I heard a ooh as opposed to some ooh or whatever in the process. So I wanted to put this out because some of you are like, if that's the new body I get, I'm not so sure I want that. Okay, don't, don't worry about it. I just want to have a chance to laugh a little bit and kind of see what different people's views of beauty and desire, you know, what's desirable for a body. Some of you aren't too thrilled. But, but what does a new body mean? And so I, 
I'm going to go ahead and, and do this next one. I want to clarify it. So this, this sub-point here is that it's new and not just a remade body. Not just a remade body. And, and what I mean by that, I don't want to get caught up in semantics, so I want to explain this because theologically I don't ever want to speak from up front something I don't feel is absolutely true. Um, when I say this idea of remade, that I'm talking about remaking something is taking the old and fixing it up, you know, kind of putting on some, putting in some new parts, you know, and, and a fresh coat of paint and you're good to go, right? Just kind of that little fix up there. Now, I remember going to Disneyland as a kid. I grew up here in the Sacramento area, Fair Oaks, and I'd go down and visit the grandparents and we'd go to Disneyland, which would be awesome. And we'd go to Disneyland and you'd go up to this ride and there'd be a sign say, closed for refurbishing. That was the first time I heard that word, refurbishing. Like, who uses that word? But in Disneyland, they're not saying, like, we need to fix the problems and, and give it a face. But that's what's going on here. Now, what a bummer when that was an e-ticket ride. <laughs> Got some e-ticket people here? Okay, just, just, just keeping it real here. I was little, but I remember the e-tickets there. And, uh, so remember those days. So Disney wasn't putting in a new ride. They were just kind of going, oh, this one's getting a little bit shabby up by their standards. We need a little facelift, maybe put a few new plants, paint it up a little bit, kind of refurbish it and, and do some maintenance, basically. And, and so there we are. And uh, so I missed going on the ride because it was getting a little worn down by their standards. Well, for us as followers of Jesus, we get more than a new coat of paint, right? You don't just get a new knee that you've been needing and the new hip or the new back or whatever through that process. It's, it's, it's not an attempt to dress up the old and kind of like, well, it's better than it was. Now, there are lots of connections in the Bible to our old bodies being resurrected. So again, when I said, how do I say this? When you say a new body, it's not that there's a total disconnect and you look like totally different in this process. The, the Apostles' Creed even says, I believe in the resurrection of the body, right? So that's something resurrected of old. But, but this resurrection and the remaking of the old will be a transformation that is all new. Does that make sense? <laughs> How exactly God will do that, we don't know, but he takes the essence of the old and remakes us as all new. And the point of this isn't to get caught up in, in, the, in the process because God is way beyond us, isn't he? But, but, but I want to try to make some sense. This idea of a new body is helpful when you think, about, you think about historically the martyrs that were burnt at the stake because of their faith and they wouldn't renounce or because of, of whatever in that process. And there was really, you know, very little left of them. And not to get too graphic, but, you know, we know from 9-11 and other war places that there's been bodies that have just that are just gone, that are just pulverized. There's just nothing left that has happened. And you're kind of like, well, if God's going to remake something, or let alone from centuries and centuries ago, how, how's he going to, re- you know, I don't know how God's going to do it. You know what I mean? It, you know, his process of that, if it's still going to be you, and it's not going to be a, a, a different, totally different body, at the same time, it's, it is new, he, because our eternal and all-powerful God, loving God, he isn't hindered by not having basic bones and structure to work with. Oh, man, you know, that's not a limitation to him. All new, but somehow based on the old, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes, but our bodies will be recognizable for each other, right? So new isn't that you're going to change gender or skin color or any of those sorts of things. Again, I don't know how all that works. I've not been there. I'm looking forward to it. Here's what I want to say when I say new bodies with caught up. Well, is it a resurrected old lest you think that, well, it's this body, I'm just going to be a little bit stronger, have a little, be in a little better shape. Oh, it's going to be far beyond that. It's, it's new, based on who God, God's original intent and creation, based on the old, but it's something all new. Second Corinthians 5, starting in verse 1, says, for we, know, for we know, here we go again, one of these, 
that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, (laughs) and then to make sure you understand, he says, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we'll have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Woo! We grow weary in our present bodies, sometimes very weary, right? And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. This is teaching us. While we live in these earthly bodies, here it is again, another set of verses that says we groan. <laughs> it's just reality of life. Paul's groaning. We, we groan and we sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our, our, our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he's given us his Holy Spirit. It's not just a possibility. It's a guarantee. It's here. It's what God's going to do for us. So does the new body, the new body sound good to anybody here? <laughs> sounds sound pretty good in the midst of whatever you're going to. I want to do this for you. Think back to when your body was in the best possible condition sometime in the past. Now, for some of you, it might be right now, the reality is, or your time is still coming if you're still young. You're kind of like, I'm still growing up, which is awesome. But for some of us here, we have to think back a few years or decades to that time when you might honestly say, that's when my body was right, you know, then, then. And I find that even then, most of us, if you think back, although we might glamorize it a bit, most of us would still want to change something about ourselves even then. You know, well, that was when I was at my best, but I'm not sure how great all that was, right? You know, or maybe it was just, you know, the the size of your nose or the color or the texture of your hair or your height or your body shape, even at that best point, whenever that, that was at our physical best. Well, then add that to the concept of getting older and things can take a bit of a turn, can't they? You know, ran across an article this week, you know, you're getting older when, you know, you're getting old when your back goes out more than you do. You know you're getting old when your knees buckle and your belt won't. (laughs) I might not just be, well, you know you're getting old when you sink your teeth into a stake and they stay there. (laughs) And this was, this was 50 some odd, but uh, you know, you're getting older when you sit in a rocking chair and you just can't get it going. So I know most of us just can't relate to any of that at all. But folks, we, we all are getting older, whether you're, whether you're 10 years old or 110 years old. The aging process is there. That's part of the, the, the groaning. And there's some excitement of growing up if you're, if you're younger. But at the same time, we're getting older. And, and we have the hope of a new body. Uh, this, this aging process is, is going to be gone. And that should put a smile on your face. Well, more about these new bodies, just briefly. Again, we've got this, this stuff to cover today. But uh, the Bible tells us that our, bo- our new body will be like Jesus' resurrected body. Now, I think this is really cool. And I could spend the rest of our time talking about this, but I won't. But I do want to touch on it. Philippians 3 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, starting at verse 20. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies, just keeping it real, (laughs) so that they will be like his glorious body. Well, what was Jesus' resurrected body like? Again, just briefly, we know some things about it by reading about his encounters with people after the resurrection. And the point of the scripture passages weren't to point out the wonders of that body, but by looking at it, we can see that, first of all, it was physical, okay? It was an actual physical body. They were able to touch and hug and feel him, even, even touch the scars as, as he retained those. Um, secondly, we know that he could eat. 
That's not so bad, right? The resurrected body. And I'm just saying that sometimes those simple pleasures in life, or maybe it's more than a simple pleasure, right, for some of us on that. That's, that's great news that it can eat. It was a physical body, but we seem, it seems like there were more. Um, this is what makes me smile. There were, more, there were more abilities there, you know. Jesus would kind of just appear in their presence. Did he kind of go through a door or a wall and then just kind of disappeared? So you kind of get, this is kind of like science fiction cool stuff here, right? Like, you know, beam me up on my own little push a button. You know, however all that works. So, so cool that, that we're limited by what we have now, and there's many of those limits are gone. And so there's some things we don't understand, but it's going to be really cool. I, I want to go, not only are the aches and pains gone, but like, like Jesus' body where you, wow, that, that is, God must really love you. God must really love me. That's the plan. That's the hope we have to hold on to. We also know that Jesus was recognizable. Not not always he chose to be unrecognizable at times, but again, when we look about a new body, it's kind of like you don't come back as someone totally different because there's still, that's Jesus. And, and so there's a recognition that's a part of that. And finally here, a little sub-point, our new bodies will also be imperishable. I just wanted to bring that up because, again, there's, there's no more aging. There's no more need for future refurbishing. There's no more closed for refurbishing moments in your future. With Jesus, in First Corinthians four, uh, excuse me, fifteen verse forty-two, it says, "So, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, it's in other words, the present life is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor; it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness; it's raised in power. All these words sound great. It's sown a natural body; it's raised a spiritual body. All these things that say this new body that we receive as a follower of Jesus." is a great hope today for each one of us, especially those of us that are dealing with some significant aches and pains, some frailties, regardless of your age, some diseases, some disabilities, whatever you might want to call them to say. God says part of this hope in the future is something new and not just return to its former state of as good as it could get, but something new that's going to be amazing and wonderful because... God has that plan and because he loves us. Now, the next hope from the creed in the Bible is that we get to live happily forever after. We get to live happily forever after. Now, some of you may say, oops, he blew it. It's happily ever after. No, it's more than ever after, happily forever after. Because I think in all those fairy tales, whoever did live happily ever after did that until they died. But that's not what our eternity is going to be. After our physical death, unless the Lord comes again before that happens, and, uh, and, and the second coming and the rapture of the church and all that stuff is that there will be no death. And so it will be a happily forever after. And uh, that's with Jesus in our new bodies. And so this leads us to touch on this subject of heaven. And again, any of these things, in fact, the creed, you know, we, we could take a whole series of messages and really, you know, look at them. We could talk about heaven for a whole week easily and in, instead of just for a few minutes. But again, in, for the sake of hope, I just want to give us a little glimpse because I think God gives us just glimpses of heaven even here on earth. The very best of relationships, the very best of the little moments that we have are just little tastes of, of what heaven's going to be like. Now, just for fun, I looked for some pictures of heaven online this week. Now, that's weird. Uh, you know, you Google in there images of heaven, like what comes up? What is, what is artists, whether they're spiritual or not? And it was kind of funny what I found. Let's take a look at some of them. I'm like, okay, that's, is that where we're going to be? <laughs> I, there's something kind of cool about that. It's pretty, but I, you know, and so then let's take a look at the next one. Okay, that involves a, a person. Um, maybe that he's heading towards heaven. 
but he's by himself. He looks, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so, and then this one, I like this one here, kind of. It's prettier. I, there's one tree there, and there's nobody there. I mean, again, you, you just go and put heaven images, lots of lights, lots of clouds, lots of all these things. And I'm kind of like, well, the Bible talks about heaven in some pretty amazing, spectacular ways. And again, just hints at it. And it's quite honestly way beyond what we can imagine, let alone put in a picture. So I get it. You know, how do you, I, I wouldn't even begin to, to try. Uh, it's God's dwelling place. And just as God is beyond what we can grasp and understand, um, so is our eternal dwelling place. Now, add to that the fact that God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem and all these things that the Bible kind of doesn't spell out in detail, but talks about. And you're like, how does that work? Where is it? When? I, we all want to understand this stuff. Just suffice it to say, just like you can't grasp God, God's dwelling place and his new creation is beyond what we can understand. It sounds pretty exciting, though. Now, Revelation 21 is one of the little descriptions to give us hope. Not a complete description. There are many throughout Scripture. And it says this. John says in, in his revelation, as God revealed to him, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Not separated anymore. That's us dwelling with him. He, God, will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And, and, And here we go. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Because I can imagine John just kind of going like, and like, can you write that down? Because we want others to be encouraged by this too, to give them hope. Oh, oh, yeah. How, How do I begin to describe what's there? Did you get that? In heaven, there's places in scripture that talks about amazing beauty and 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 just glorious things that are beyond, you know, again, they're doing their best to, how do I say, streets of gold and and, and all the things that are there that just amazing. What I can hold on to is there's no more darkness, which to me means no more hiding and no more fear. No more fear of am I going to have to evacuate like some of our neighbors did and we offered up our homes and churches and places. No more fear of that. No more death. No more... No more even sorrow or crying, no internal emotional despondency, despair, depression, no, no pain, <laughs> no addiction, no bondage, no cancer, no disease of any kind, no deceit, no cruelty, no racism, no guilt, no shame, <laughs> no sin, no sin. I couldn't sin if I wanted to, and I won't want to, because there's better stuff. And no boredom. I wouldn't want to be on heaven and sit on the cloud with a harp day after day after day. Me either. Jesus doesn't want to either. Nothing against the heart, folks, but I just, it's, that's not the way it's going to be. H- have you ever had one of those peaceful, fulfilled moments when you just sat back and said, I wish this moment could last forever it will
will. Those are those little tastes. The same God who designed and created every single thing you enjoy here on earth, earth even in its fallen, messed up state that we live in, that same God is is the designer of the new heaven and the new earth. Oh, man, you left that out, God. Darn it. You know, you will miss nothing from this earth that won't be better there. Beauty beyond belief, fulfillment like you've never experienced, complete and full access to God who delights in you for eternity and who receives your worship with gladness, that relationship. And my son, Andrew, who has discovered the thrill of extreme roller coasters, he will probably talk to God about setting up some pretty crazy roller coasters on the moon that I will watch and wave as he does them. (laughs) All that leads me to the final word of the creed. Remember what it is? Amen. It's amen. It's the ending of the creed, but the ending is just the beginning. The ending is just the beginning as we say amen with an exclamation point. Because it's the beginning because of what it signifies. You see, we spent 11 weeks on the creed, including today, and, and then my response is really profound. So what? So what? 11 weeks said and done, covered it, check it off, studied the creed, what's next? It isn't, the creed isn't just a here's what I believe document. It's an opportunity to allow what we believe to transform how we live. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to take these intellectual truths that soak into our brains and make them experientially true in our lives. You see, amen isn't just the ending of a prayer, right? Kind of like, oh, there it is, and we say amen, now pass the meat and the potatoes, let's get eaten, right? It's not the end of the story when it's done, and then you see at the last page it says the end as you close the book, and it doesn't have any significance except that whatever we talked about is over. This amen and the truth of the fullness of amen is more than that. It's not just the ending. It means so be it. It means yes, it's true. I believe it's true, and even so be it true in my life to each and every word we've proclaimed and studied. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Amen. I believe that. So be it. I believe in the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. I believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so on. Amen. And amen. And amen. So be it. I believe it. All these truths are truths, but they also ask for a personal response. You see, you don't just say these words here at church. At some point, you have to decide whether or not you actually believe them. And you decide whether you're actually going to to act on what you believe. And so you sit down for a moment and say, if I believe in God the Father Almighty, then I believe that he loves me. Put your own name in there. He loves me beyond belief. And so I'm going to choose to not worry and put my complete trust in him because he's my loving daddy. Not just on Sundays when we sing, you're a good, good father, but every day of my life. Amen. I believe that. And I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord. And if I believe he's my Lord, then then I'm going to bow my knee to him. I'm going to bend my knee and I'm going to submit to him. And I'm going to allow him to make himself come to life in me. And his will is going to become my will. His mission is going to be my mission. If I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
that he's is in me as I've received Jesus into my heart, then then I'm going to live and experience the fullness of the love and the joy and the peace that he's already bringing about in me. And I'm going to choose that. And if I believe in forgiveness, like Ron spoke about, the forgiveness of sin and the amazing truth of forgiveness and life and eternal life that God gives us, that's going to excite me so much that I'm going to boldly tell other people about that because I believe it to be true, that it's a gift. And I can tell someone this is a gift. It's the greatest gift possible. And and if I believe today that that there's a a hope of eternity and a new life and a a new home and a new body and, and amazing things beyond what I can understand, then when the things come up in life that are tough, my hand unclenches. And I realize I can, I can face that with hope. I can, I can persevere. I can endure because it's small in light of eternity. Do you see how that works? You see, we're not just talking about intellectual truths. Oh, I believe in God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and these things. I believe it. And, and how does that impact me? Now, there's a place in scripture, one of the names that Jesus has given, I don't know if you knew that, is, is amen. And there's a verse in Revelation 3, go ahead and put that up on the, on the screen, please. It says in Revelation 3, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, that's Jesus, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. We see that Jesus himself, one of his names is the amen. And so when I end this creed, this prayer, this statement of belief with the amen, I'm saying, here's what I believe, and I believe it. I believe it with my head, and I put an exclamation point amen after every statement. And I believe in Jesus as my Lord, who's going to make these things be true in my life, in my life today. It's beyond me, but he's going to do that in me through the Holy Spirit. Amen says a lot, doesn't it? Not just, amen, let's eat. So I put one last line on your outline. I thought, you know, we've had 11 weeks, and each week there's been a call, an opportunity for a decision and an encounter with God. But I thought we are 11 weeks into this. What might God be calling you to, not chastising you about, but calling you to, to say, here's where I could change today. As a result of this creed, and I went over five of them, and I mentioned what it would mean if you really believe that God's a father in terms of saying no to worry, right? And say, I'm going to trust, and saying, submitting to God in terms of the fruit of the Spirit, et cetera, through that. Where is God calling you today to say, if these things are true, and if I say I'm going to believe them, am I going to allow God to change me right there? And am I stuck in fear? Am I stuck in worry? Am I stuck in, in doing things myself? And that's where God says, I want this, the creed and the truths of scripture to transform your life, to change you today through the power of the Holy Spirit in you as a follower of Jesus. I want to pray with you as you contemplate. And I know that's a line that you can fill in or not, but I'd encourage you to even consider, God, what what business do you want to do with me today? And I want to pray with you over that. And you can write as I pray if you'd like. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that we've had a chance to finish this wonderful creed, this statement of beliefs that the Bible teaches, that we say this is the core of our beliefs uh, that you give us, God, that we end with this amazing hope 
this amazing hope that can put a smile on our face to say, it's hope that we hold on to to give us strength for today. It's hope to look to the future, uh, not with, with bleakness and despair, but with absolute excitement to say a new body and, and a new heaven and a new eternity with you, God, no longer at some sort of distance, but in close relationship. And Father, as we say amen, we want to say more than just we're done, what's next? We want to say May this be true in my life. May it experientially be true. So, Father, I just pray that you speak to any uh, any of the people here today, the men, the women, some of the, the teens, the younger folks that are here today. You would just speak to them to say, here's what I want to make true in your life today as your belief affects your behavior. As the Holy Spirit wants to bring this about, you can yield to him today. And Lord, we just, we do that. We surrender and we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.